and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. Today's guest is Alexandra Franzen. Alex is a best-selling author, award-winning editor, and entrepreneur based in Hawaii. She has written seven books, including two novels, and has also written articles for Time, Forbes, Newsweek, The Huffington Post, and Lifehacker. Her work has also been mentioned in the New York Times Small Business Blog and Tim Ferriss' newsletter, and is the co-founder of a company called Get It Done and a brick-and-mortar bookstore called One Idea Books and Gifts. I'm so excited to be talking to Alex today because she is someone whose work and whose career I've admired so much for the last several years. I told her in this conversation how her books really inspired me when I was going through a really low point when I was on my solo trip to India and Bali. And we talk about her love of books, how she got started as an entrepreneur, how she's been able to be self-employed for the last 12 years. And really something that's unique about her is that she operates her business entirely outside of social media. She doesn't have any social media accounts and she hasn't for the last seven years. So we talk about what it's like to market your business without social media. She teaches a course that I took called Marketing Without Social Media and is coming out with a book of the same name. So we talk a little bit about that, just advice for self-employed creatives, how to stay inspired when you're freelancing and working for other clients and how to carve out time for your own creative practice and your own creative projects. And we also talk a bit about the benefit of self-publishing versus traditional publishing which she helps people write books with her company, Get It Done. They have a tiny book course and they walk you through how to just write and get your ideas out there. So I've always loved Alex's approach to creativity, to business, to entrepreneurship. So it's really an honor to have her on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Alex. Hello, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul podcast. Thank you for having me. What a delight. And thanks for the moment of silence and breathing. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, it's always like so needed just to drop in and just arrive. So yeah. I will start off with the first question that I ask everyone when they come on. And that is what is currently fueling your creative soul? Ooh, what is currently fueling my creative soul? I would say, gosh, many things. One, Well, it's funny. One thing that is fueling me right now is not directly related to my career, but my husband and I bought a house in Hawaii at the beginning of this year, and we, we remodeled it. We did all this construction, and now we're t- turning it into an Airbnb. And it's been a really fun, creative project to work on together to figure out, you know, how can we make this look beautiful and what plants could we put and what are all those special little finishing touches that, you know, would make a visit so special for a guest. So it's actually been really fun to work on a creative project that's not 
sitting in front of a computer and typing, which is what I normally do all day long. <laughs> so yeah, it's been giving me a lot of energy and it's been really fun and it, it makes me want to do it again, you know, and have another Airbnb one day. So that's been fueling me. Oh, I love that. First of all, congratulations. Cause I know you got married recently and yeah, <laughs> that's so exciting. And I totally agree that well, first of all, like doing things that are outside of our normal creative realm can really mm -hmm. inspire us in different ways. And I also, I re I moved recently at the beginning of this year. And I found that too, of like, just picking out like things and making your space beautiful is such a creative project in and of itself. So I appreciate that. Totally. Yeah. It's been fun. Oh yeah. I have to tell you that. I think, I don't know when I found you a couple of years ago, but I, in 2019, I took this solo trip to Bali and I was by myself and feeling really like lonely and isolated and just like, and like my intention to be in Bali was to have this like creative artist retreat and, and feel like this goddess. And I ended up not feeling that way at all, but what really saved me and what really helped me was reading your books. I read, so you're going to survive. And the one about the 24 hours, 24 mm -hmm. hours left to live. And it just like fueled my creative soul so much that it got me inspired and kind of pulled me out of that creative rut. So I just want you to know that about how your work has impacted me throughout the years, but especially in that moment was really, really impactful. So I kind of want to start off with how, like, what has your journey been to becoming a full-time artist and to becoming a full-time business owner? And how have you had the courage to make things in the world? Because I think that, you know, so many people can get stuck on, on not only giving themselves the time to do that, but also that courage to put things out. And I know you help many other people do that as well with your tiny book course and all the other courses that you do. So what has that journey been like for you from the beginning until now? Whoa, that's a great question. And thank you for the kind words, by the way. I'm glad that my book's brightened your life a little bit during, it sounds like a difficult moment. And I so relate to that feeling too, of like, so I've gone on many trips by myself and I love traveling by myself, but at times it can also be kind of lonely. And I remember having certain moments in my life where I was, you know, somewhere really beautiful or experiencing something really magical and and loving that moment, but also feeling like, I just wish I had someone to share this with. So I relate to that. But okay, so my my journey, okay, wow. So I guess if we start at the very, very, very beginning, when I was a really little kid, like, you know, age six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, I was a huge book lover. I love to read. I was not interested in sports. I was not interested in, you know, honestly, like really like socializing with other kids. I had a couple friends, but I was very quiet, very introverted. And at school, anytime that we had, you know, recess or lunch break, I would just go straight to the library and, and read. And my mom would joke that Mrs. Metzenbaum, the librarian, was like my best friend. <laughs> so I definitely had a love of reading and books and stories and writing from a very young age, just, just naturally. You know, it's just how I came into the world. 
And, and also when I was very young, I, I loved to make little books. I would make these coloring books. I would draw unicorns and pegasuses or pegasi, whatever the plural is. And I'd Xerox copies and staple them together and like sell books to my classmates for like a quarter. <laughs> so I think at a pretty young age, like it was evident that there was something in me that just loved books and loved to write and loved to to make things, you know? And then I, many, many years later, so now I'm like 19, 20, 21, I ended up starting college, dropping out of college, traveling, eventually going back to college. And I decided to major in English literature. And honestly, at the time, it wasn't like, I just must study literature. It was more like, well, what credits do I have? And what would be a degree that I could finish the fastest, <laughs> like based on the credits that I had? And it was English. So I went with English, but it was actually a great choice because that was around the time that I sort of rediscovered my love of writing. And I started writing for the university magazine. I got a paying job with the university magazine, which was like a big deal at my school. <laughs> and that was my first experience with, you know, having a weekly deadline and having a column due every week and getting into like a, a routine and a, a habit of writing. So not writing just when I felt inspired, but like writing because it was due Thursday morning. And also it was my first experience getting paid to write, you know, not getting paid very much, but like something and, and seeing my writing in print as well. Every week when the magazine came out, I got to see my, my piece and all of those things kind of clicked together and something inside of me recognized like, this feels right. You know, I think this is the direction that I want to go with my adult life and career. Is this story interesting so far? It's so or interesting. Or yes, <laughs> okay. So then I graduated from college. I ended up getting an internship at a public radio station. In addition to books, I've always loved radio podcasts, just any like spoken word type of art as well. So I was super pumped to get an internship at the public broadcasting station. And kind of one thing led to another, like the internship led to a part-time job, the part-time job led to a full-time job, that job led to a promotion. And, and a couple of years went by and I was working full-time at the public radio station. And this now, I guess I was around 23, 24 years old. And it was one of those moments where, and I, I bet a lot of your listeners can relate to this feeling. It was like on paper, everything was perfect. Like mm -hmm. I graduated from college. I got this degree. I got a job at, you know, one of the top radio producers in the country. I had a great boss. You know, I was very well liked at work, but I was just in increasingly unhappy and I didn't like the nine to five schedule. I didn't like commuting to work and fighting through traffic. I didn't like being in a cubicle. I didn't like working, frankly, like for such a huge organization that had like 
600 employees and all the bureaucracy and the politics and the red tape and how slowly certain decisions would get made. And, and my salary was extremely small, <laughs> you know, like people who work in public radio are typically not making the big bucks. <laughs> so for all of these reasons and more, I just started to feel down. Like I, I just, my energy was down. My creativity was down. I was, I didn't, I would go to work and I would come home and it would already be dark outside. And I didn't have anything left in the tank. I wasn't doing any writing or creative projects of my own. And even at work, my, my job was like, not particularly creative. Like I got to do a little bit of creative work, but a lot of it was just like meetings and logistics and scheduling. And, and I just, I wasn't feeling good. And like, when I, when I see photos of myself from that time in my life, like I look a little dead, <laughs> like my eyes don't really have a lot of sparkle and my, my face is just very tired. So I started to feel like something needed to change. And I wasn't quite sure exactly what that meant. At first I thought, well, maybe if I just get a different job within this organization, like, you know, maybe a new job would be a fresh start, a different department or something like that. But I began to realize like, no, <laughs> I think, I think I need a more dramatic change. And so I decided to quit my job. And this was like, right in the middle of the great recession <laughs> when you know everyone was panicking about money and there was all this turmoil in the economy and people were getting laid off left and right and i said to my boss i think i'd like to leave my position and would it be possible if you know we could have my final day be 4 months from now so i can kind of transition out gradually because I figured like, if I have four months, maybe I can figure out what the heck I'm going to do <laughs> with, my, with my life. <laughs> um, and he said, okay. So I took those four months and I started to kind of cobble together, you know, the bare bones of a business plan because I, I wanted to at least try to be self-employed. Mm. And I remembered thinking I want to write, I want to be a writer, and I want to be self-employed. That's all I know. <laughs> I don't really know the details. I don't know what kind of writing exactly that's going to mean. Is it, you know, if it's journalism or copywriting or fiction writing or what, but I just know like one way or another, I want to try to figure out how to make a living and support myself as a self-employed creative. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then a lot of things happened after that, yeah. but basically I still remember it was like a day or two after I officially left my job, I felt such freedom, <laughs> a lot of fear and like terror because my, my, I had just bought my first house and my mortgage was due in like, you know, a couple of weeks. But I remember I took my laptop and I went to a coffee shop and I got a bunch of coffee <laughs> and I made a list of like around 50 or 60 people that were just in my life, you know, friends, family, colleagues, former employers, and 
university professors and friends from college and that lady I used to babysit for 10 years ago. I just, I just made a list of everyone I could think of that I had like a connection with. Mm. And I sat in that coffee shop all afternoon and one by one by one by one, I worked my way down the list. I sent a personal email to each person and I just said, hey, I have some really exciting news. I quit my job. I'm self-employed. I'm available for writing projects. And I think I put a little bullet point list of like the types of writing that I could do. Mm. And I said, you know, if you're looking to hire someone like me, please get in touch. Or if you know someone who's looking for this sort of thing, feel free to pass my name along. And I think I concluded that email by just saying like, you know, thank you for celebrating this moment with me. It's mm. really exciting to begin this new chapter in my career. And thank you for, you know, for just being part of my life. Mm. And so I sent that email out one by one by one by one. <laughs> and honestly, that's how it all started from, from that one day sitting in the coffee shop you know, I would say about two thirds of the people replied pretty quickly. And if nothing else just said, you know, congratulations, and this sounds exciting. And, you know, thanks for the heads up. And then about like five to 10 people said, you know, hey, I, I actually I have a project for you, or I know someone you should meet or oh, I'm going to tell my friend Megan about you or, or whatever. And those first five to 10 responses like that led to my first five to 10 paying projects as a self-employed writer. And, and then things sort of like snowballed from there. You know, one client would hire me again for a second or third project, or one client would tell their colleague about me or one thing led to another. But that was like that first that first day, those emails and just notifying the people that I knew that was sort of like the, the first domino, right? That like began the chain reaction that then set a lot of things in motion and allowed me to start figuring out, you know, exactly what kind of writer do I want to be and what kind of projects do I want to do? And, you know, what kind of shape is my career or business taking? I didn't really know those things at first, but by reaching out and just getting a couple projects under my belt, it sort of helped me, it helped me to figure things out as I walked forward. Mm. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. I love that story. <laughs> yeah. Especially like, because it, it all started with your network and with the people that were closest to you, like friends, family, professors, people that you actually knew. And I think a lot of us, and especially me too, like really try to overcomplicate the things that we want to do. And I notice in myself too, and in others, like kind of keeping the things that we're doing close to us because we don't want to share for fear of, I don't know, fear of rejection, fear of judgment, whatever that is. But like that tipping point for you was just letting the people around, you know, what you were doing and that led to opportunity. So I think it's really cool and important to remember like the power that our network has and just the power of simply letting people know what's going on and people want to help if they can help. So I find that really inspiring. And this question kept like coming through while you were talking. And I, I tend to pay attention to those when they kind of knock on my door, but I'm curious, like now you today, and after you've had this career and you've done so many things and you've helped so many people, what would you say to that 
girl who quit her job, you know, when she has four months left of her job, like, what would you say to her? What kind of words of encouragement or advice would you give her? Oh, that's such a great question. What would I say to baby Alex 12 years ago, who was just starting a business? I would say, yeah, I I would remind her your network is everything. Mm -hmm. Those 40 or 50 or 60 people who are, you know, close to you, who really know you and trust you, those, those relationships are gold. You know, those are the relationships that are going to open doors and lead to opportunity. You know, yes, it's wonderful to start a mailing list. It's wonderful to, you know, create a, a presence online and so on. But those like real relationships with people who really know you in your real life are so valuable. So I would tell myself, keep investing in those relationships, keep investing in, you know, those real connections I would also tell myself, raise your prices. <laughs> I think I spent many years, like so many people, hugely over-delivering and undercharging, and frankly, leaving like millions on the table in the process over the course of 10 years or so. So I would say, raise your prices. <laughs> and I would say, I would say hire a professional bookkeeper and tax preparer immediately. (laughs) Do not, you know, wait four years and try to muddle through things yourself and then end up with a huge nightmare situation. I would definitely tell myself that. Yeah, those are a couple of things. And I would just say, just keep going, you know, and keep, keep pursuing the next project that excites you and the next and the next and and do the things that light you up. Mm. And you know, the, the bigger, the bigger details, what is my brand? What is my message? And so on. It'll all just, it'll become clear Mm. as you keep moving forward. Mm, I love that. I feel like people (laughs) listening can take that for themselves. (laughs) The very practical advice of bookkeeping and accounting and all of that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious because as you're talking about like your network and and those relationships that, you know, and, and they tell you in marketing, like you're, you want your audience to know, like, and trust you. And I think in our world, in you know the current situation and how prevalent technology and social media is, I feel like it's such an interesting like dichotomy of like what is social currency. And you know, if you have X amount of followers, you can have a business or kind of like building your network and, and doing that online. But I love that simplicity of coming back to like, who do you know in real life? What are those connections that you've made throughout your life? And I know you've been off social media for what, eight years? Yeah. Yeah. Eight years, which is so incredible because I think a lot of people can believe that they can't have a successful business without social media. They can't, you know, we place these limitations on ourselves. We can't, it has to look this way because that's how it's currently operating in society. But I've always been so inspired by you because you've shown that that's not true and that you can have a successful business without that. And so will you talk a little bit about your decision to go off social media and what has kept that decision? Like how come you're, why are you still not on social media? Do you ever want to go back or yeah. How has that, how has that evolution been, especially as your business has grown and evolved Do you ever think like, oh, should I go on social media? Like, what is that like for you now, especially in today's day and world, which I think if we can all get social off social media, we would be better people for it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So yeah, when I, when I first became self-employed, a career coach said to me, you know, you should really get on social media. It's a great way to find clients. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like I'll try whatever, you know? So for, for a couple years, I was on social media and I, I tried everything, you know, I, I was on Twitter. I was on Facebook briefly, Instagram, Vine, LinkedIn, you know, Google, Google, what was it called? Google plus Google something. So I tried them all and I, and I, and I found it, you know, fun. I I'm, I'm a writer. I love to write. I love to express myself. So, you know, Twitter in particular felt like having kind of like a mini blog where I could share my various thoughts and feelings and musings with whoever wanted to read. So I, I liked it, you know, it felt, did it lead to clients? Maybe. Honestly, I don't know. I think 80% of my clients come via word of mouth. It's a referral from another client or it's a repeat client who hires me again. I don't think that a large number of my clientele actually came from social media, even back then. And sidebar, uh, I would say that's probably true for a lot of entrepreneurs. I think we we feel like social media is so crucially important, but if you actually look at where did my last 20 clients or customers come from? Mm. Why did they hire me? And if you actually investigate into that, you might find, wow, you know, social media had literally nothing to do with it (laughs) or, or had a very small, you know, part in the process. That's true for some entrepreneurs anyway. So yeah, so this was about eight or nine years ago. And like a lot of people, I started to feel like my relationship with social media was becoming out of balance and not healthy and kind of detrimental to my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I noticed myself using social media very compulsively, you know, checking all day long, checking before I got out of bed, checking while I was falling asleep and just sort of feeling I hesitate to use the word like addicted because I know that's a really loaded, you know, word, but I didn't like the way that I was behaving with social media. And it started to feel like social media was sort of like controlling me and and like compelling me to do certain things. And then there were a couple of things happened. Like I, one incident was I was jogging downtown where I used to live in Portland and I was so distracted by my phone that I, I almost got hit by a train, by a commuter train that was coming. And and there were a couple moments like that where I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I'm so preoccupied by what's going on on this little device that I'm literally putting myself in harm's way. And this doesn't, this is not okay. You know, I don't, I don't want to live this way. I don't like the person that I'm becoming. So the first thing I did was I decided to take just like a short break from social media. I took the summer off. I figured it's summer, you know, let me just take a a two or three month break from social media. It doesn't have to be forever. I can always go back if I want to, but let's just step away and just see, see how it feels, you know? And so I did. And at first I really missed it (laughs) because I missed that, you know, sort of dopamine loop that posting and checking and seeing who liked it and who commented. And I I missed that sort of 
instant gratification that you can get from social media. But honestly, for me, pretty quickly, that wore off. And after a couple of weeks, I didn't really miss it. And in fact, I, I noticed so many rewards and benefits. It felt like my brain was so much quieter. There was less noise in my head. I felt more focused during my workday. Like I could really concentrate and get into a groove and get projects done much faster because I wasn't sort of pulled away by various blinky blinks on my phone all day long. I, I And I just started noticing like that I, I was just interacting with the world differently. You know, I would take a walk and actually like look up at the sky instead of down at a phone. And it also inspired me to, to connect with, again, that theme network, right? To connect with my friends and connect with my people and in different ways, like invite someone out for a meal or go for a walk with a friend or call someone for a long chat and, you know, really connecting with people more, more than just a quick tweet or direct message. So by the end of the summer, um, I felt so much better <laughs> and, and I decided, you know, I think I'm just done with social media. I'm the kind of person where like, you know, never say never. I, I hesitate to make like forever permanent blanket statements. So I just said to myself, you know, look, who knows, you know, maybe one day I'll feel inspired to get back on social media for some reason or another. And if that happens, that's okay. But right now and in this season of my life and career, I just don't want to use it. And I, I don't think that it's, it's, adding value to my life or career. And I would rather focus on other things. I'd rather focus on building relationships in other ways, promoting my work in other ways, and just free up all of that mental energy that would have gone into social media and pour it into writing my next book or deepening my skills as a writer and business owner or any number of other things <laughs> besides social media. And that was that. And then that was eight or nine years ago and pretty much just never looked back. I don't miss it at all. I, I honestly don't even really think about it. It's just not, not part of my life. And for me personally, it's been a beautiful decision and has only strengthened and enhanced my career and business as well. Oh my gosh. I love hearing that. Cause I, have had such a battle with social media over the last few years. And like, I mean, even what you're describing of going to bed at night, checking it, going in the morning, I'm like, isn't that what everyone does? It's like, it feels like that is what everyone is doing. And that's kind of normal, normalized now, Yeah, but it's not normal. And it's, and it's not even like, even the, the amount of access to information that we have on social media and the things that are kind of coming through it's so not normal for our nervous systems, for our brain. And so I've taken multiple breaks and, you know, but have never like pulled the plug of I'm never going again. And even literally just hearing you talk, I'm like, I want to just delete my account, but it feels so there's something about it that feels so radical because mm. it is, it seems like the way that we connect these days or the way that we share information or even like see pictures of my sister's kids or things like that. So yeah. Do you ever have like, when you tell people that, like, do, 
do, do you ever get this like shocked reaction of people being like, wait, what? You're not on social media. Like, how can I find you? How can I connect <laughs> with you? <laughs> yeah, I, I do for sure. Yeah. I've had people tell me that they were very jealous. They were like, what? You're not on social media. Oh, I'm so jealous. Like I want your life. And I feel like saying like, well, you, you can have it, you know, it's, simple, it is a, simple thing. It's, a, it's a thing you can do. I've had people, the funniest is I've had more than one person tell me that they thought I was lying. They said, they, they later confessed to me. They said, you know, oh, I thought you just didn't want to connect with me. So I thought you were saying like, oh, I don't have social media as sort of like a, a brush off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I really don't. But I, you know, let's exchange phone numbers. Like, you know, we can, we can stay connected in other ways. And uh, I've definitely had a lot of people ask, you know, well, well, wait a minute. Like, how do you, you're a business owner. How do you find customers? How do you find clients? If you're not on social media, a lot of self-employed people have asked me that question. And uh, in response, I actually wrote an entire book on that subject, which is coming out soon. It's oh. called Marketing Without Social Media. And it has about 115 different ways that you can find clients and customers and sell your work and sell your art and sell your books and sell your services without using social media because there are so many other options. And I think we're, our culture is so dominated by social media that we forget that we have numerous other options at our disposal. So I'm hoping that that book will, will sort of be like everything I could possibly say on this topic. And then every time someone asks me that question, I can be like, look, I made this for you. <laughs> I know, I was like, how many times have you had to talk about that over the last nine years? So yeah. <laughs> I feel like that, yeah, that'll be such a beautiful resource for people. And I took your marketing without social media course, which was so helpful. Nice. I have the little, the little booklet with the octopi on it, which is so fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that course was so lovely. And, and the book is sort of like that course plus, you know, three or four more years of like thinking and research and development. I feel like, yeah, I, I think that this book really is like everything I could ever possibly want to say about why you might want to leave social media and how to leave social media gracefully without disrupting your business and all the other ways that you can grow a business and find your people and sell your work without necessarily using social media. So yeah, I hope people love it. I hope it's really helpful. I hope it inspires a lot of people to, you know, at minimum, just take a break, take a break for five days and see how your brain feels. That's a, that's a ripple effect that I would love to create through this book. Mm -hmm. Well, you already have, I know you have, and it'll continue to create more. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that kind of brings me, cause I'm curious about what your like daily routine is. And I know you live in Hawaii and what is it? Yeah. What does it kind of like day in the life look like for you? Ooh, that's such a fun question. I love in magazines when they have like, you know, a day in the life of yeah. so-and-so and then there's like a chef or like a TV host or whatever. Okay. So a day, a typical day in the life. So let's just do like a typical, you know, work day. I go to bed super early and I wake up super early. <laughs> just that's kind of just my natural rhythm. So I'm usually awake anywhere between 
4.45 and like 5.45. If I sleep until 5.30, that's like my favorite. 5.30 is a great time (laughs) to wake up. So I wake up, I snuggle my dog who usually has climbed in bed (laughs) with me. And then I make coffee. I sit either on my patio or by the window watch the sunrise. While I'm having coffee, I love to either read the newspaper. I get like an old school newspaper delivered (laughs) to the house and my dog brings it inside. He knows how to pick it up and bring it inside, which is like the best part of the morning. So I read the newspaper or I might read a novel if I'm reading a book. And I like to just have a really quiet start to the day. Like, you know, coffee, reading, watching the sky, just kind of chilling. And then after that, I lately I've been doing like a little 20 to 30 minute workout, very gentle, kind of like, you know, gentle yoga or Pilates or something like that, just to kind of get moving. And then I might take the dog for a quick kind of just walk around the neighborhood, get some fresh air. Then I shower, I get dressed, I get ready for work. The last couple of years I've, I've been I noticed that like getting dressed for work, like really getting dressed as if I'm going to go see people, like actually really makes a difference in my mood and my confidence levels and just kind of how I feel in my work day. I used to just kind of throw on my, you know, yoga pants and whatever. These days it's like earrings, you know, do my eyebrows. <laughs> it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. And then I usually start my work day between like eight and 10, kind of depends on the day. And then a typical work day, it, it varies depending on what I have going on. I get hired by different companies to do writing projects and it's usually on a contract basis. So I might have a, a three-month contract with a particular company or a one-month contract or something. And so, you know, any given week, I might have a bunch of deadlines, um, you know, writing website pages, writing newsletters, writing scripts for presentations, for videos, for podcasts. So I have usually like a number of deadlines throughout the week that I need to hit to deliver to my clients. So I might be working on one of those kinds of things. And I also have, um, I work with a lot of clients to help them develop a book and write a book and get a book deal with a publisher. So I might have, you know, a couple of of clients on my plate where I'm helping them develop their book proposal or I'm reading their manuscript and and giving feedback or editing. So I might have a couple of sort of book-related things on my plate. And then I have my company, which I co-founded with my dear friend, Lindsay, and it's called Get It Done. And we specialize in books as well. So we have an annual online course about how to write a book which usually has anywhere from 100 to 200-ish students each year graduating from the course. And and we do other kind of book-related and publishing-related services. Yeah, and in any given week, it's like it might be a really client-heavy week or it might be where I'm focusing more on Get It Done and our students and courses. Every day is a little bit different. And I, oh, I make a, <laughs> I make a checklist for every, I'm sure I'm displaying this to you, but I know our listeners can't see it, but I, I make a checklist for every single workday that I have so that 
my priorities for just that day are really clear mm. because otherwise I get so overwhelmed. <laughs> there's like, there's always, you know, 500 million things flying around in my brain. But if I can just write down like, okay, what are the three things that really truly need to happen by the end of today? That helps me to, you know, settle in and focus and do, do the right things on any given day. And then, yeah, so I, I try to finish work. It, again, it varies it like anywhere between four 30 and five 30 ish is usually when I wrap up my work day. And I usually take the dog for another walk. And then if it's a typical work day, I'm usually tired <laughs> by the end of the day and like not really in the mood to do anything major. So I might, you know, read more or watch a Netflix show, hang out with my husband, see my mom, you know, just kind of like chill family vibes. And then I love to get in bed at like eight o'clock <laughs> and go to sleep. So, you know, really a, a rip roaring, exciting life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And I love how the focus, like all about books and writing and, and yeah. yeah, I'm curious, like when you're working on, cause I'm curious how your inspiration kind of comes in for those personal writing projects, especially because you do so much work, writing work for other people. Yeah. What is that relationship like to your own personal creativity and, and kind of like separating is it like does it feel different working for someone else versus writing your own stuff and how do you kind of balance those two oh that's a really good question yeah so you know i i have written several books of my own both fiction and nonfiction, and i also love to write you know articles essays newsletters all of that i consider like my my personal body of work and you know, working on a project for a client versus working on a project for myself, it doesn't really feel that different. It's, I still sort of approach it in the same way. Like I think about, you know, what is the intention behind this project? What's, what type of reader or audience are we trying to reach? What's the main message we want to get across? You know, what's the structure? What's the outline? What are the components that I need to write to complete this project? So I sort of come at it from the same headspace, whether it's something for myself or something for a client. When I'm working on a project for myself, though, what I notice, like if I'm working on a book manuscript, for example, is my preference is to block out like a week where I can just focus on that one project and like really settle in and not be derailed by like clients and emails and questions and requests and, you know, all the, all those things that can really pull at your attention. My favorite thing to do is to go away, like to book myself. I call it a workation, like a work vacation where I, you know, rent a cottage somewhere for a week or an apartment and just go somewhere else to get a change of scenery. And that really helps me to leave the rest of my career aside for a while and, and really focus and go all in on a personal project. And I mean, that's so common for so many creative people. Sometimes we just need to go away <laughs> and that really helps to clear your mind and, and just get a change of perspective that can help with the project. 
So I will say though, honestly, that, that this has been probably one of those like recurring cyclical challenges of my career is finding a way to create the space in my calendar for the client driven work that consistently pays the bills mm. and the, the business related work, the courses, the students, all of that, and still create space for my own personal art projects. Wow. I think that my own personal stuff, like I, I managed to wedge it in there somewhere, but, but it's, it's difficult. And, and that's, that's entirely on me. You know, that's on me choosing to deprioritize that for various reasons, which is something I'm working on and, and still continue to work on. But it's, yeah, that's, that can be tricky finding that balance, finding a way to, to make everything fit into mm -hmm. the span of a month or a year. Yeah. I think that's really common. Cause I, I mean, even for myself, it's like, I have a full-time job doing other things that are not creative. And then it's like, right at the end of the day, when I'm exhausted from my full-time job, I'm not feeling particularly inspired or creative to yeah. work on something. So kind of fine. Yeah. Car it really is on us to carve that space for us as creatives, even when you are self-employed and, and doing that work. So that's, yeah. that's cool to hear. And, and I, I'm curious too, about like your relationship to work and rest. Cause I think I read recently in one of your newsletters that you instituted a four day work week for your employees, which is amazing. And I, I love that. So will you talk a little bit about how, like, how has your relationship to work and rest maybe changed over the last couple of years? What does it look like to create more space, you know, to have a three-day weekend and, and how do you fill that space? And, and what does that feel like to you? Yeah. So yeah, about a year ago at my company, get it done. We have, there's myself, Lindsay, we're the co-founders. And then we have two full-time employees and then one, two, three, three, and a half ish, like part-time contractors that we hire throughout the year for various things. So we've got a, you know, a team of around, I'm bad at math in this moment, five, five to seven ish people. And I was getting, I was noticing a couple things happening, particularly in 2020 and 2021, 2021, mainly, you know, people were getting burnt out. People were tired. People were, and, and not just because of things at the company, but just the world, right? Like, pandemic fatigue and zoom fatigue and all you know all the things that were happening and i started to get really curious about the 4 day work week which is kind of like a, a trend right now a lot of companies are exploring what would it look like if we only worked monday through thursday or you know 3 days a week and and 4 days a week and took 3 days off and so as a company, we decided to try it for one, I forget if it was one week or one month, but we just kind of tried it. Like, let's just give it a go. And everyone loved it. And it made such a difference. And after that, I was like, you know, why don't we just do this? <laughs> like, this can be the new normal. We're a small company. We're very nimble. You know, we can make changes quickly. There's no reason why we couldn't continue to try this experiment. And it felt really amazing because, you know, if you think about it, like for a full-time employee, that's kind of like getting an extra, you know, 50, 52 days off every year for the same pay. So that's, I mean, that's life-changing. Yeah. So, so we did that. We're still doing that. 
but here's the honest behind the scenes <laughs> truth. The truth is my team is taking a four-day work week. I'm not necessarily taking a four-day work week every single week as, as the boss. And, and that's, again, that's by choice. You know, that's, that's me choosing to take on an extra client or take on an extra project or, you know, add more to my plate. And at this point, I would say like, Maybe 70% of the time I find myself working on a Friday and maybe 30% of the time I take Friday off. I would like to get back into a rhythm where I have Friday off every week and I believe I'll get there, but I've been slipping a little bit <laughs> this year and, and for, for happy reasons, you know, for having just kind of a, an, an abundance of opportunities and clients, but but, you know, on the flip side, you know, I, I notice that I feel so much better when I take that extra day off and that gives me more space to do self-care, to, to just do life, you know, to do the doctor's appointment, to do the haircut, to meet up with a friend and take a walk and not be in such a rush to get to the next thing, to connect with my husband, to hang out with my sister, like having that extra day means a lot. So I'm... I'm trying to be sort of like firm with myself that I want to have that boundary in my life, but also gentle with myself because like, I'm doing my best, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. And if you're juggling a lot of things, yeah, <laughs> sometimes that extra time is nice. If, if that was previously a day off, you know, that it kind of creeps in. So, yeah. So what are you, I know you mentioned that your book is coming out marketing without social media, but what are you excited about? Like, what are you working on currently or what are you excited about in the next year, couple years? Like where, yeah. Where do you see yourself moving into? Oh, that's a great question. I, in the next couple of years, I want to release a whole collection of more books and products. And when I say products, mainly card decks. I love creating inspirational card decks where you can, you know, pull a card and get a message for your day, that kind of thing. So Lindsay and I, my business partner and I are actually developing about like 10 new books and products. So things wow. like day planners and journals and card decks and things like that. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to feel so good to like release a whole bunch of simple but beautiful mm. creations into the world. And we're also, you know, really exploring like how can we get these products featured in as many shops as possible. So we're hooking up with, you know, directories and databases and, and pitching shops ourselves and things like that. So okay. I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm excited to just sort of like see where that leads. So that's going to be fun. I'm also excited about so many things a new program that I decided to offer this year for the first time is called Book Deal Camp. <laughs> and it's it's kind of, it was like a summer camp, but for people who want to get a book deal with a publisher. And most of the clients who signed up, you know, they they had a dream of getting a book deal with a publisher, but they they really didn't know anything. Like they didn't know what is a book proposal and what is a literary agent and how do I get a book deal? And once I get a book deal, then what happens? And how is a book deal different from a book? And blah, blah. like they had all the questions that any new author would have. So it was really fun to give people like the education, the plan and, and really 
demystify the process so that our clients understood like, okay, I get it now. Like I understand these are the steps I need to take in order to get a book deal with a publisher. So that program was so much fun. We loved running it. We had the best clients and we're going to do it again in 2023 with a few little tweaks, because of course, every time you run a program, you realize like five things you could have done even better. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited also to see like what ends up happening for each of these clients, because I know every single one of them is going to get a book deal eventually. So I'm excited to like get the email, you know, three months from now where someone's like, it happened. Yay. <laughs> we can, we can celebrate with them. So yeah, those are, those are two things that I'm especially excited about right oh, now. I love that. Yeah. That makes me think of kind of self-publishing versus traditional publishing. Is there yeah. anything, I'm sure people ask a lot, but like, is there anything that you would kind of say if people are trying to sparse out, like, is it better to self-publish? Is it better to try to go the book deal route? Yeah, yes. It's such a, a great question. So I've I've done both personally. I've published my own work at times, and I've also worked with some wonderful publishers for other projects. Both paths are great and both paths have like pros and cons. You know, I actually made I have this little presentation that perhaps I could share with your listeners yeah. that you could like link to with the oh. episode or something where I, it's like 20 minutes long. And I basically just walk people through, like, this is what self-publishing looks like. This is what traditional publishing looks like. And then there's a little quiz at the end to, to help you, you know, figure out what's the right path for you at this moment in your career. So yeah, maybe folks would like to check that out. It might help. Yeah, that would be really helpful. Thank you. And yeah. speaking of resources, I love sharing creative resources on this podcast. So that's anything that you're maybe currently reading, maybe something that's inspired you along your path, some kind of like tangible resource that maybe we can check out. Is there anything that comes to mind? Ooh, okay. Let me think about that. What are some good resources? Okay, this is so random, but this is the first thing that popped into my head, probably because I was using it earlier today. <laughs> There's a website called Alphabetizer where you can put any list and then click alphabetize and it alphabetizes the list. Oh, I love that. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know, maybe some people don't care about that, but for certain projects, you know, that can be really fun. Maybe you're trying to alphabetize a list of names or a list of steps or tips or something like that. I'm obsessed with alphabetizer. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Are you currently reading anything or like reading something for fun? Yes, yes. Okay, so for fun, I'm reading this incredible book that I actually read probably like five years ago, but I wanted to read it again. And it's called The Name of the Wind. It's a, like a fantasy, like an epic fantasy novel. Yes, you know I've this actually one? read that. Yeah, I, I read it in like an English class in college. It was amazing. I And I never, yeah. I only read the first book. So I, yeah, that's a reminder for me to check back in with that. Yeah, it's incredible. I would say I love reading fiction for fun. And it's probably like the most incredible work of fantasy fiction that I've ever read. And so there's, I think there's currently two books in the series. And then a third book is allegedly going to be released soon. So I've been, I decided I wanted to reread the first two so that I could, you know, 
get ready for when the third one is dropped. But it's, it, I mean, it's such a phenomenal book and it's, it's an inspiring story too, because the author has really been taking his time with the third book. Like the fans have wanted it for years and, and they, they had a publishing deadline and then they moved it and then they moved it and then they moved it. And he keeps just saying, you know, it's not ready yet. It's not ready. And I'll, when it's ready, you'll get it. And I think there's something really cool about that. Like, you know, really taking your time to create something that you're deeply proud of and not allowing yourself to feel pressured or rushed by other people. So I am, I am patiently awaiting the the third book. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so important to remember. Yeah. Alex, this has been amazing. I'm so glad we got to talk and Lastly, where can people find you? Because they can find you on the internet. <laughs> yeah. So where is the best place to direct people to? Yeah. So no, no social media, but I have two websites that you can check out. AlexandraFranzen.com, which is just my name, AlexandraFranzen.com, which is kind of my, my personal website. And then my company, Get It Done is you can get it done.com. And I have a newsletter as well that people can join if they want to. And that's pretty much it. Otherwise you can find me on a beach in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. We'll link all of that in the show notes. And just wanted to say thank you again for taking the time and for sharing your wisdom and all that you've done, not only for me, I have really looked up to you over the years, but for so many other people too, and really walking the walk and talking the talk. So thank you. Thank you. It was really lovely conversation. Thank you for the great questions and thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.